Good morning, Nigel. Good morning, Lana. Good morning, Timothy. Morning, Timmy. Excellent. That's nice. <laughs> I got stuck halfway between because I was going to say Timothy and then I went to TK and then it just came out as Timmy. It's fine. It's, it's better within the um, iteration with the South Park, you know, slant yeah. on I'm fine with Timmy. That's good. I quite like that. Um, must be something very maternal or paternal that's being ingrained. How are you both? I'm a bit moody this morning. Got my coffee. <laughs> nice and early, ready for action. It's midday for me, so I'm happy and, and good to uh, go. All right, Nigel, we all know you go to the gym. Oh, you're so wonderful. I didn't say that. I just said that it's later in the day for me. Is it? Yeah, if you want to get more done, maybe you should get up a little earlier. (laughs) (laughs) The irony of that statement. Yeah, yeah. There are 24 glorious hours in every day. There are. Thank you, Liv Tyler. Yeah, yeah. Well, listen, that's really great. You two are just wonderful. Now, this week in review, we've had a few really good things happen this week and also some things that certainly warrant some discussion. The first thing is clap, clap to us. We had our first kickoff event last week. Yep. So it was just after we did the last update podcast, which um, in terms of strategies for those listening and those growing businesses, we want to do a one-to-many. So we start doing events in at our office. It's nothing um, groundbreaking in terms of a strategy, but it's a good way to have what I think a central focus for the quarter, but also just starting to give some value add. So it's not actually a recruitment for sales. We're actually trying to add more value to clients, start integrating them with other people in the business and, you know, getting them, I guess, changing the pacing of the, the service we provide. But, you know, these sort of things create an excitement around the office. And I think that was quite a milestone for us because it's easy to run an event, but actually executing an event and getting it done there's a lot of work that has to um, go into it. So I think um, in terms of something we did uh, or that started off, to me that was very successful. What are, you, what are your thoughts, Lana? Everyone seemed to enjoy it. The yep. client feedback was positive, which was from my point of view what the aim of it was, as you say, not for sales but to give more to the clients and so the clients that turned up and the not client that turned up <laughs> as it might have been. Um, Actually, that was that's worth that's worth talking about. That's um that that's a funny little story, really. So let me let me actually can I just jump in because I want to I want to cut into the brains trust over here that decided <laughs> that, as everyone knows, we're we're starting to push out our brand and we're starting to um I guess push our social channels out a little bit more, as you notice with the podcast, a few of our channels, the different insights we're trying to get because we want to. Um, create something that's quite interesting for people building businesses and and aren't directly working with us and hopefully adding some value. But in terms of the experimentation of growing out the media department, Lana and Nigel have particularly been um, focused on how do we how do we make sure that our message is maximised and we're doing all the things that should be done in terms of best practice around this. So they. <laughs> So they put they put our event up on Everbright or is that where it was Everbright Eventbrite, Eventbrite. yeah good yeah. Eventbrite and which is the right thing to do it serves a couple of purposes a it's easy booking for the clients because it's obviously a very stable platform and it's built for that so it's good to have there but the second thing that most people don't know it also great for SEO it's also great for um, just basically getting a lot of traffic the only problem is it brings public traffic and. In the in the dialogue, it was it clearly stated a client only event, but because there was traffic going to it, people don't necessarily read everything. They see a date, they see turn up, and they just turn up. So we had this one 
random guy turn up to our event, which was very, very funny because we were all confused going, how did you get here, forgetting it was up on Eventbrite and the registration. It was pretty funny. Well, for anyone who's going to call in or write in or comment below and tell us you can set it to private, we are fully aware of that. (laughs) Yeah, you you certainly don't have to contribute by saying the bleeding obvious to us. We do understand that there's experiments going on. It was a strategic decision by Alana. I I get it. (laughs) So I had this one random in the event, so trying to dance around all our VIP clients and I got this one guy going, this is the first time we ever met. That certainly uh, was very funny because I think he was a bit lost with the conversations. You are welcome, Tim. Glad to help. I just thought it was very funny and it's probably um it was probably a, a real insight to the power of these things because not even trying to attract someone actually I wouldn't say it was an ideal client but it was certainly a lead that had a place in the business somewhere there and you really just put it up so I thought that was quite interesting for the little effort to be able to attract someone. Yeah and I actually uh, had, uh, had conversations with him after and emailed him after he took more notes than anyone else in that room, on the, maybe just to try and follow the flow of what was going on. He met him for the first time. He was trying to catch up. He was, he was certainly drinking out of a fire hose. It was very um, – no, he was a good guy. We had, you know, nothing wrong with him turning up and obviously we accommodated him because he'd come to – you know, he's come here and we don't like to turn people away. That's not the philodomo spirit but it was just – it was very funny. I, just running an event, right, we've all got the nervous energy of, okay, this is the first one, kick off, something new for the clients and there's – just this dude turns up. It's like, <laughs> what? Oh, <laughs> awkward. But that was all right. That was all right. That it was, was great fun. But I think the event went really well. So, um, in terms of for anyone thinking about whether they should run events for their business, that's a definite yes. It absolutely is. And when people when people think events, it doesn't have to be crazy big, and it also doesn't have to be a very dramatic process to make the event actually happen so you can step things out it can be small and a few people it can be big and a few hundred but um in terms of Nigel and I being able to put this event together and doing one a month uh quite seamlessly it's about making sure that every step along the way is pre-planned and that um where possible last minute things aren't planned so you if you know that you have to do For example, um, for this particular event, Tim had the slides to do and the presentation doc. So he did that the week before, not the day of. Mm. And it just gives you a lot of gap to make sure that when the inevitable happens of things popping up during the event or the hour before, you're not at the same time trying to build collateral. Yeah, no, this was one of the the best planned events that we had. And um, you're being incredibly generous saying Nigel and Lana – this is the thing that I liked about this event. This is the first event that we run that I've had nothing to do with the planning of. I've had to help in a little bit of the execution, but Alana put it all together uh, oh, herself sorry, and me, set it all let up. Me re- let me remove the credit that I gave you there, <laughs> Alana, and I'll <laughs> double your time. Yeah. yeah, no, no, no. But it's uh, everything we've done beforehand, I've always been the one that's going around getting the like, – organising <laughs> everything about it. Take the credit, mate, because you would have also copped some of the blame if it didn't go well, so that's okay. It's just one but I really one like the, the fact that we could – I could rock up to an event as the new roles that I had and yep. everything matched up against what I would have done and I've got fairly high standards and expectations when it comes yep. to that kind of thing. And I just walked in there and went, hey, this is really – like it's a, a, that's the evolution of the company. It feels like it's growing. It's not on me anymore to do all those extra bits, no, which is really cool by me. I mean, it's great. And obviously um, I don't want to keep talking Lana up because it'll sound like I've got a crush on her. But probably should have. <laughs> which he definitely does yeah. not have a crush on me today. Um, <laughs> But 
I just think in, in terms of event strategy and just for people because I think it serves a couple of purposes that most people don't get. So an event can be anything like if you're a smaller business, it might be you organising a lunch once a month which is just you and five people or four people. That's an event yep. um, and it grows from there. It doesn't, as Lana said, have to be these huge hundred people self-fest. That's not an event. It's about how do we change the paradigm with people which is you've got something interesting to invite them to you've got something to talk about you've got a way of changing gear with your current clients for us it was changing gears with current clients making sure that those that want to do different things have access to different voices different people but it's it serves a number of purposes so when you're setting out your strategy in a business and that's obviously something that's come up into our planning this quarter is how do we make sure that we're constantly feeling like a place that's evolving and changing so people don't get stale? It's not just you can run a great service, great product, great this, but there's a feeling around the business and the brand that people have to feel like it's humming. And if you don't do that, they eventually look elsewhere because it's like, oh, well, it's, it's great, but everyone runs at the shiny you know, yeah. and we know that. And I think for us it's, it's just starting to really probably appreciate that more. I don't know, particularly in the early days, whether it was a priority, but now we're really appreciating that you need to create that level of particularly a service business at the moment or in this business um, that we're, we're focused on that we need to create a different vibe or a different energy around the place because it certainly helps all the other employees also have something to talk about with clients that they see regularly. Yeah. Absolutely and I think the, uh, I don't think I know the next event in the series is about operations. So we start mm. with the so the last event was the 90 days which is all yep. about building the business and getting that energy and acceleration. That acceleration. Then we're doing operational, so that's where we get to be the fun police and pretty much pull out a element of the business and systemize it into a checklist. Yeah. So for all you creatives, I'm sorry in advance. <laughs> uh, and then we move into business planning. So actually, what have you done so far? Just that little touch point every three months that it can be easy to fall into the January's nearly over, the year will be nearly over, and so it's just we're using it internally to help clients but also to keep them motivated yep. without always needing that full automo push. They can do it themselves. Absolutely. So uh, tick, tick, well done team. Um, sorry, double tick, Lana, Nigel, thanks for contributing. <laughs> um, yeah. <laughs> Before we move on, can I just loop around because we mentioned that the Eventbrite making it public was a strategy. We didn't explain what it was but I, I, when Alana was talking to me, I think it's a great strategy to use that other people could use out there. So why did you make the Eventbrite a public event and just put the caveat in there. So Eventbrite can be public or private. We decided to keep it public even though it said for clients only throughout so that if anyone read it but still wanted to come and therefore applied, we could then contact them directly and then put them into our lead funnel. So do a different event specifically for them to add more value but less about the uh, – this is all of the philodomo and more around building the business at the level that they'd be comfortable with. Like when I hear that, I don't, I don't know for those listening, I mean it's chestnut checkers and I hate that saying when I'm going to say <laughs> 50 times, it's almost as good as 100% but chestnut checkers, it's it's recycling your effort. So, you know, when you, when you break something down, it's recycling. It's breaking down your lead funnels and recycling the things that are low-level leads. I just... I, I just hope people do hear that and, and analyse their own funnels with what Lana's talking about. We had a purpose that was directly to get our clients there but in terms of doing that, if we went, if we think about it a bit more strategically and put it in a public forum, we start to get people that could potentially be clients. So even though it's got nothing to do with sales and 
um, marketing and sales for us that we're getting leads generated. And I think for the sake of, you know, it generated, what, f- three, four, five different leads, but it was nothing that needed to be done. But that's a, when you add all these things up, when you do different things and you have a more strategic focus, and it's, it's a good point bringing it up too, Nigel. You wonder why pe- some people's businesses grow faster because you do all these little things and you end up over a year compared to another business generating another 50, 60 leads where the other people are, you know, other businesses are struggling but an extra 50 or 60 decent leads changes their whole company. I just – I really love that because I think that's – that shouldn't be glossed over of how important that little – that shift in strategy just to make sure that extra 10% happens is um, – uh, yeah, it's just great hearing that and just knowing sort of the way you guys operate that. Not that I'd expect any less, but it's it's seriously seriously is a difference. Yeah. Like, well, uh, and it worked semi perfectly. We had one person <laughs> show up, yeah, but um, of the others, um, <laughs> I, there was an emails that went out beforehand, yeah. um, going, "Hey, sorry, this is a, pu- a private one. Um, we do, we are we will be running a public event uh, later on in the." future and they were immediately hey can i make sure you put me on your mailing list let me know when that one's on love to come so they're not it's not now going out and trying to find people to come to a public event they're already warm and in our email chain absolutely and if you look at that and it said say we generated 100 of those over a year and the average client just say i'll just use an example of say it was ten thousand dollars that you got from a client and ten percent converted so that little thing would be from a hundred ten people convert an average of ten thousand dollars per client. It's a hundred thousand dollar upside to doing that, and it's zero cost. Yeah. It's just I think those little things that people don't see or understand, or when you're you're not thinking strategically. Strategists smash talent anytime. <laughs> like I just like it doesn't matter. You just the weight of strategy just catches up at some time. You can't win unless you're strategic. It's just that oh, that compounding. Just smartness <laughs> wins. I love it. I really, uh, you guys are awesome. Like, it's a really simple mindset shift, which is, and it's two dimensional, all, always about sales. Every business always has to be about sales. But also, all businesses have to be about adding value to clients. And that's part of the reason why it worked so well was that we would not offer anything to our clients and we would not uh, lessen their experience in that particular event even though we had the opportunity to use it as a sales funnel, we didn't want to do it. So the whole event strategy was driven by giving clients more, but then you can tack on that little 10% that is, but also is this a sales opportunity? And if you can do that without being detrimental to the client base, that's where those 100 leads over the year come in, but also in a really organic kind of a way. (laughs) I appreciated the tone on organic. Agile integration. (laughs) We call it bycatch in fishing. We're going after a um, we're going after a, a target species. So you go for snapper or whiting or something. No, whoops, I caught a shark, but still eat it. Still good. It's a bycatch. So <laughs> when when you see these big trawlers, they have bycatch, which is one actually bad from an environmental point that you don't want to catch dolphins and all that sort of stuff. But it's the from a sales funnel. It's looking at how do we the core objective is this what's our bycatch in this what could we possibly do to get these other things and i just i love it because it it wins yeah without being detrimental to the clients or the dolphins yeah important uh, absolutely don't eat dolphin (laughs) it is certainly not as tasty as you would think 
I'm joking. I'm joking. <laughs> Please don't comment. I'm joking. I'm just, joking. I I'm promise. Just, I can't wait till we get video on here just to catch Lana's reactions <laughs> to some of the things TK says. You know what? You know these are the snippets that someone takes and puts there just to completely nail you. No, absolutely no, no. Um, great. So event very very good, guys. Well well done. I think that was a great start. Good success, and we'll we'll keep you updated in the ones. And obviously, if you're there, you can click on and see what events are coming up on our website. And I think there must be an event right page or something like that secondly um this week importance of numbers um we've had i think in terms of the thinking this week and where the focus has been we've had a couple of interesting um scenarios play out with people come to the business needing a hand um around their understanding their numbers and i let me take two steps back they came with a business problem like the business isn't being successful or going where they want and they have no idea what their numbers are. And I want to talk about this because I don't think people understand numbers and I don't actually think a lot of people understand um, the importance of knowing numbers, not just so you can do your profit and loss and tax because there's an aggressiveness you can get as a business once you know your numbers because you can take more calculated risks and it, it it was a real highlight for me this week of, a couple of discussions I had with people around their companies around how do they run their business being so blind and I, I reflect back to when we began our businesses many many years ago uh, you know we we're just ignorant to numbers absolutely ignorant I just I, you know what if I didn't know if we got frustrated straight away blame the bookkeeper <laughs> poor person had nothing to do with the numbers at all but it was just because my ignorance around who's responsible for numbers I want to talk about this because I think this is for me um, probably one of the most important learnings this week because we're getting fairly aggressive in terms of our growth at the moment but not just growth in the core business. We have three or four other um, businesses growing sort of simultaneously with partners and things like that. So we have to be really quite sophisticated with our, um, our finances and where it's going and what needs to be accelerated, what needs to be pulled back, all that sort of thing. But had a, um, had a client that was in dire straits about a year ago, dire straits, like seven figures struggling um, with their cash flows and basically had no idea of their numbers. Um, really great because, you know, 12 months down the track, they're now flying, they're on a trajectory and they're, they're really good because they're a bigger business at the moment. But I want to talk to you, Lana, we particularly went through that, um, you know, we've done the whole thing together, but... How do you say, I mean, how would you explain the, the sort of importance or what you look for in terms of numbers um, for your companies? First part of the question, the importance, yep. undeniable. Yep. There's, you can have feelings, you can have opinions, you can have people tell you what they think, but the importance of the numbers is that they don't lie. And like Tim, her, uh, learnt that one the hard way and I still to this day remember the moment when I realised that numbers were the most important thing and like Tim, I used to shirk it. I used to say, well, that's the bookkeeper or that's the accountant until I realised I'm the one who has to pay. I'm the one who has to do the tax or I'm the one who gets in the hole. Or goes to jail. Or goes to jail. <laughs> not the case with us, yeah. thankfully. But And so having yeah, that... You would not do well in jail, either of you. No, <laughs> no chance. You don't think? <laughs> I would visit you very quickly because I'm not sure how long you'd actually be around in there, mate. 
let's not go down that path. I was like, I'm trying to think of something witty, but it's not. Let's just, yeah, stay out of jail if you can. That's probably a good rule of life. Good step one. Yeah, let's let's make that a standard. Um, and so the importance of numbers, you, and it doesn't matter if you don't understand them because everyone in this room will attest I am not a numbers person, but I've learnt to love them because of what they mean. And so I can tell you very simply profit, expenses, revenue. Even at a very, very basic level, that was my first step into understanding numbers because if your revenue was less than your expense, you had a problem. And from that I was then able to build on to... Um, yeah, so we should say that you're not... Lana's not traditionally a maths nor numbers person. So the, re- the reason we're asking her is because... I think there'd probably be a lot of people listening now that would have switched off going, oh, this is such a boring topic. Wake up. You are the one that must listen to this because you are the one in danger. So just with that, because I want to make sure that like, this was a big step for you actually learning that. I'm not saying it in a patronising way because it was for me too. I was comfortable with numbers, just arrogant not knowing them well enough and we'll talk about that in a minute. But yeah, sorry, I was of the opinion in when I was at uni learning accounting for a mini course in my communications degree that that's what accountants were for. (laughs) Turns out it's not the case. (laughs) And so that's where the importance is because you make every single business decision based on numbers. If you do it on gut feel without the number backing, you can get in a lot of trouble. You should not be proud of gut feel. I think that's held up with, gee, they've got such a gut feel for business. No, you idiot, you're risking it. Look at the numbers. It's maths. Is it going to work or not? Especially like when you've got employees and 100%. clients, you're accountable to them. So gut feels amateur hour. Yeah, but your gut feel does play a role, and it should be uh, listened to. But it has to be backed by the data. No, but the gut feel should be around the situation you're in now, and then the gut feel on the strategy that's going to work. Not will this sink me? Mm. Like yeah. that's stupid. Yeah. <laughs> no, no, no. That's, we we every, you, do you know why? Because it's that whole entrepreneur thing where everyone's had these great stories. You've got the ten stories around. They risked it all and they made it. They did this and they made it. And you go, yeah, that's the 10, not the 10,000 in liquidation, not the million people who've lost their whole businesses, their houses, their families, their this, that. Like it's don't look at the one in a million and think, oh, yeah, Don't yeah. look at the exception to just, prove the rule. Just roll the dice on everything. <laughs> well, I can say that. Did it three times in my 20s and guess what? You can lose three times in a row. <laughs> not a rule at wheel, even though you can lose three times in a row. But I, I'm sensitive this one. Sorry about living. Well, I am sensitive because I think people, um, there's an there's an arrogance or ignorance. Probably ignorance is fairer for smaller businesses. So anyone say, let's call it sub 15 mil. You're a smaller business, even though you might be big in your community and what you're doing. But you're a small business, very small, even categorized as that by the government. So the numbers in terms of your intrinsic knowledge is not only do you need to know that what Lana's doing about the revenues and the expenses and all that, that is basic. But as a business owner, your whole focus should be what is the numbers that are being generated by my efforts and what does that mean and how do I apply it? If you're not comfortable with numbers, you've got a serious problem you have to find a way to fix and it it might not be you but you can't dismiss it people who go well i'll just get an accountant or a financial advisor absolutely you need those in a business when you get to a certain size there's people there's cheap financial officers there's obviously bookkeepers there's accountants there's all types of different people to help you with numbers but you need to understand what they mean you don't have the right to be ignorant to it and then go 
but what do you mean? I thought we were making money. It's like all those sports stars that lose hundreds of millions of dollars and go, but my agent was bad investments. No, you had no idea of the numbers. You trusted some fool. They invested it. They had no idea and you lost it all. That's the game. Yes, you're unbelievable at boxing. You just have no idea. Now, Tim can say this because we <laughs> thankfully didn't lose everything but that's exactly what we were at the start of our digital business. We trusted other people instead of sitting down with them and line by line going through those profit and loss statements and the chart of accounts and that's how we're where we are now which is we know our numbers inside out, back to front. You pick a line item or you ask me about the profitability of a person in the business or a client and I can recite that off the top of my head because I have no right not to know that number for the people working in the business. Absolutely. And I, listen, we're much better at that now. I think, um, uh, you know, we're good at it. That's just now a fundamental that should be in place. Baseline. But I, I look at the numbers like a storybook that if you read through every month going back all last year and went through month by month, if you're really above the numbers, you would know every single number and the story that went with it. Oh, that's when John left. That's when we got this person. That's when we did that marketing thing. That's why that, that, that. And it's basically like reading a Disney book. You're just reading through and it's actually telling you the fairy tale of last year. If you don't understand it from that point of view, particularly if you're a smaller business, you, you're, you're in trouble. I just I want to talk a little bit about because that's just the basics and fundamentals. So that should be the lowest standard you have if you're running or owning a company as we know. The second one is though once you know the numbers, it's around how do you use that as a leverage strategy because it takes money to grow a business and – most people and who are probably newer to business or have not done anything around finance before, they think, oh, if, you just, if I just had another 200 grand, I'd be able to grow this business quickly. And go, grow. what would you do with it? Oh, I'd, I'd get a BDM. Hmm. What do you mean you get a BDM? Oh, just do more marketing. What do you mean you get a new marketing? It's just ignorant. The, the focus around numbers is if I had $100,000, I could invest in this and our current payback period because of this marketing strategy that I've tested like this, I'll get the money back in three months, I can pay the financier, I can pay the loan and get back and this is what we're expected to do. That's a business decision because you know the numbers. You know the things that you can then invest in to leverage and get an expected return with all things being equal. Yes, it's not a guaranteed game but you start when you start dealing with a lot of different businesses, you, you see how many people think – I just need money to try something that they've never done before, have no analysis, have no idea when the money's coming back, have no idea even why people won't lend them any money. And the the, re, the sad fact is if you can't get money, it's because you don't know what you need to do with it. People don't trust you. People with money understand this. So they, it's so easy when you get someone who doesn't understand the language of money to reject them. Because it's like walking and just going, I need money for what? Oh, that's stupid. And I just think starting to understand the power of getting your numbers so you can start leveraging it to grow your business. You know, what is the runway you've got? When are you going to run out of cash in your business? That should be that should be an answer you have. That's a big one. Yeah. What day will you run out of cash? Because you should run out of cash. If nothing else changes, if you were to get yep. no sales, if yep. – no employees left or whatever it was, how long could you stay on this path? And I think that does come back to Nigel's point of the uh, gut instinct versus knowledge. Once you know your runway, go for gold. (laughs) Make those decisions and feel your gut. But until you know that if you pull the lever and you're done in two months, you can't pull the lever. 
Absolutely. You see a lot of the funded tech companies that they basically have a whole metric around their, the amount of times they can pivot before they have to close the whole thing down. So, you know, they, it's called the cash burn rate. And in smaller businesses, let's just call it, we like to call it runway because I don't like the words cash and burn next to each <laughs> other. And actually, I don't have a psychological uh, <laughs> attachment to that. But the, the, you would hear it commonly called the cash burn rate of a business. How fast is this cash is this business burning through cash before they actually have to shut the doors? And you see, you know, mass sort of sackings of, of staff and things like that, particularly with the tech startups that are highly funded, that they're trying to race to a point to see if it's, you know, it's a bit of a gamble. If we get there, it's going to have a huge multiple and we make a fortune. If not, we're going to have to pivot four or five times with the money that we've got to see if we can make this app, software, whatever work. If not, we close the whole thing down. That's the investment. But for us that probably don't want to play that sort of game in, in smaller businesses, you do have to know though your cash burn rate or your runway of cash. So having a cash flow is essential and a cash flow is not a profit and loss statement. So if you're sitting there going, I've got a cash flow, my accountant updates and sends a report to me every month, that's not a cash flow. That is your profit and loss statement. You, Yes, good tick, you've got that but you need a cash flow forecast when will i run out of money because if you don't know that how do you know when to invest in different things that are going to accelerate your business if i said spend fifty thousand on digital marketing next month what would your answer be and most people go no i don't have fifty thousand okay but what if it returned you 200 well i'd do it i go well how much money would you need then well i don't know and it's starting to do the balance of you say no to a lot of ideas when you don't know the numbers because you don't know what, how much an idea or strategy can't work in order for you to still survive because you never want to obviously just spend 50000 on something if you can't afford it and then lose it all and that's the end of your business. But I want to – I think for me this week particularly there was both clients and us, we're bringing on some people at the moment and it's, the, it's a great discussion because everyone's talking about, great, we've got – we bring on these people – We've budgeted that they've got six weeks before they can't bring in any income. Great. So we know that our cash burn rate for those new employees are six weeks. We've got a big problem if after six weeks they're not performing the way that they're meant to perform. So we have to work out whether they were the right hires, the right people or what are we doing. But I think in terms of our business, I'm happy the way we're making those decisions because that's been obvious in the last week and a half of just the systems and that everyone's really I guess on the same page with it but I think understanding that from opening you know even the investment into media and how we can spend that it's we're not thinking about the investments there because it's already planned around this is how much it needs to keep growing at this rate and we can keep investing in it in terms of um Around this, Nigel, for you, because mm-hmm. you're growing a whole new department, and this is new for you. So, just I think it's good to talk to people who not haven't necessarily dealt in finances, but you've had to with the media. Yeah, are you feeling fairly comfortable with what needs to happen for you to keep growing? Because you've got a better understanding of the numbers you need to hit. Yeah, there's a lot of different numbers in both um, when we're looking at if we're looking at the external how many people we need to bring on board Um, but there's also the numbers that I'm really focused on because I trust in you guys to because like Lana I don't have a traditional financial education I learned through uh, you helped me out in the early days in the gym understanding where a break-even point in a room was yep Um, and then sort of moving up from there and 
the numbers that I really need to focus on to make sure that this is a profitable thing for us or at least break even in this because we, yep. we know that in trying to get to a million people. Really good point, by the way. Like not everything needs to be around profit. To me, if we don't lose a shit ton of money in the media, that's yep. a great result if we're doing the things that we want to do. If it's some things are lost leaders or break even, but that's the point of knowing the runway. Yeah. Um, so from my end, there's an output number. That's how many hours. So if we sit here, like for you guys, when you come and sit and do this podcast, it's 45 minutes, 50 minutes of your time. And for you in your head, as soon as you walk out that door, it's done. So yep. it's ready and on some kind of level, it's ready to go up. For me, I go, well, I've got 50 minutes here. How much time do I need to allot on the other side of that to create the other bits of content, to get this up in the right place, to tag it in the right thing and I know that we've got seven, eight podcasts going on. How much time when I bring somebody else on to do this should I allow for them to do because all of their their wages and those kind of things, so everything we do has a cost associated with it. So I have to try and control output and systemise that to try and minimise that as much as possible to make sure that we do at least break even. It's a little bit different to just run a podcast, isn't it? Like I, yeah. I think I was really – Which is really good. Tim's want <laughs> yeah, no, but I mean you guys, I mean we're talking about this but we all, you know, when there's no lecturing in this room because we all operate the same way in our own areas but I think it's good to share those sort of things because it, it, it's funny. So you're, if you hear Nigel, he's going, this is what I need to grow my department. I need to start understanding the costs. I need to understand the amount that has to be pulled out. I need to understand the budgets I need. I have to understand where this needs to start generating revenue which is difficult in this um, case because it might not be for 12 months. So this is a different type of... So this is going to be a loss leader for quite some time in our business. So we have to work out how to best facilitate that. And then knowing the digital numbers where Lana and I are saying, if you can imagine, so we know Nigel's got that under control but we've, we've got to think about it from a strategic group point of view which is, okay, how, how long will we allow media to lose money for the byproduct of expanding our brand and to be honest, there's a little bit of contribution and ego. I can't, I can't hide from that. I, <laughs> this is really enjoyable. So there's a there's secondary gain for us, which is it's enjoyable. I'm actually really enjoying ha- having a structured chat with Lana and Nigel. Like I, <laughs> I, 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 I really, to be honest, no, it's a, it's a really good byproduct because I'm actually looking forward to these. Like mm. this is probably the thing that is up in the top five things I'm looking forward to each week. And we've actually got a lot of fun things happening. So that's that's to me saying something. But I think from – and going back to – so what Lana and I have to strategically think about is not just the cost of of running this but the cost of our time. So Alana and I sitting here and giving an hour of our time, there's a real cost to that because there's so many things happening. It means there's an hour that's lost somewhere else. There's time that can't be spent anywhere else. Now that's really the cost is – say that's together. Say we just said it was $500 each an hour. In terms of the contribution we should make over the group. Now it's not for everyone. You know, when you're a smaller business, it might be fifty dollars, it might be twenty. It doesn't matter the amount, but just think about that. The real cost of this podcast is probably a couple of thousand dollars in terms of time, effort, energy, growth in other areas. Not in terms of direct cash, but in terms of contribution over the business. Because when you've got the CEO, you've got the COO, you've got that. There's a lot of labor tied up where most people don't put a cost to time. So they're always just going, oh, fine, it costs us nothing. All we have to do is turn it on and go, no, no, no. That's when you really don't know your numbers because you don't know the contribution of where your time can be spent. I I love it on that level because I think um, people just don't think about their cost of their their real cost of time. Yeah. Um, 
That's not including Tim listening to the podcast four times so he can make sure that he's happy with how it sounds. And <laughs> it's true. This is a five-hour <laughs> – it's a full-day commitment for me. Um, yeah, thank God for airplane the car. Huh? <laughs> um, excellent. So I just think in terms of for us this week particularly um, – even even getting into more of the nitty gritty around those numbers and the runways we have and then financial and all that, I think for me has been a big, absolutely a big highlight because I can see that the financial systems are running a lot better but everyone's more, for me, um, focused on that and understanding that at a deeper level which I think is really, really positive in a company when everyone's – you want to be data-driven but still have heart and enjoy a company. That's the point of growing a company. It's meant to be fun but – Unless there's that baseline of, you know, is this the best way to be doing it from a both financial and data point of view? You're just not playing a game that really is competitive. Agree. So, yeah. Awesome. Is <laughs> <laughs> that helpful? Yeah, that's no, really helpful at the end there. <laughs> um, what about you, Lana? What anything this week that um, that was that stood out for you? Radio just, silence. Yeah, uh, just throwing her <laughs> under the bus. Anything that stood out for me. My excitement is around the the PIPs, the consultants. Yep. Uh, at the start of each quarter we set up all client strategies based on where they're at, what they're doing from the last year, last quarter, how much runway they've got, all those good parts. And this quarter all of the PIPs know their clients' numbers they know their business drivers. They know everything that makes a difference to their individual client. And for me, that's made their life better. Not that they didn't know it last quarter. Yep. They do. But there's been a shift around, I'm not entirely sure what it is. Maybe it's simply the new year. But there's this real, coming back to that data, real intrinsic understanding, which means that every single strategy and touch point is so much more effective. Yeah, it's, it's starting to get um, – I'm pretty proud of what you guys are all doing. It's starting to become a – I wish I had it when I started my companies if I had the level of um, – I guess it's a 360 support around someone who – someone else who knows your business better than you know it and can – like it's – there's something very cool happening at the moment in terms of the evolution yeah. of the service. Not that we want to talk this up like an ad but it's just I think particularly around – feeling um I, I remember feeling blindsided in a lot of companies early on with lack of experience like i actually really didn't know what was happening in a particular area and you just don't realize that you just don't know what you don't know yeah it's, and it's bloody scary not that again this wasn't happening and yeah. this is not an ad but i'm hearing the guys picking up the phone and having these really nice personal conversations about the children and then in the next breath talking about the next hire and this is how much you can pay or this is what this person have to has to bring in and it's that heart data that you were just talking about i'm hearing it around the office yeah which makes makes me super happy because that just means that we're giving our clients what we promised yeah uh, and i think it's a result of like you said i don't know what the change is the change is that we've formalized the approach to it and that the questions that the pips would normally ask a client now each week we're asking of the pips to know on the client's behalf. Yep. So always having that accountability at that back end. There's a pride like because you don't become a consultant without having a certain amount of arrogance or pride in what you do. Yep. Um, but there's a pride in being able to going. No, I know this. I know this. I know this straight away. And as soon as it's ingrained, 
you can't be the one that doesn't know a number. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. No, there's definitely – it's a good shift and I think it's um, in terms of evolution for most companies. I think it's if you're doing the right things and you're constantly evolving um, what you're doing, you get to these nice points where you feel like it's a little bit of a breakthrough in terms of a system's just a lot better because you no longer have those problems that used to annoy you or you're getting a lot more information flow because people know what they're doing or you're getting better results because people have a – a real focus and I think um, particularly when we're growing companies that we we need to keep doing pushing down lines or pushing down roads that we know will be better but then you get to these breakthrough little moments you go oh geez that feels like a breath of fresh air but even though you can't really see everything that's happened or why it feels differently as you as you explained then Lana but it's definitely better and you realize oh yeah all those little things that didn't really feel like they had an effect but they suddenly with a little bit of time a little bit of tweaking have a massive effect on the general operations, the general change. And I think that's that little bit of faith you have to have in good strategy and compounding effort in the right areas because I think essentially that is performance. Yeah. I I look at the – I was watching the Formula One, um, some pre – because it's mid-season – sorry, the season break. So it's about to launch again and it was just Mm -hmm. talking about um, some of the the teams at the moment and what they're doing behind the scenes – in terms of tweaks in the wind tunnel and all those different components and it's just it's exactly the same process and you know these are obviously the best performers in the world in terms of technical and, and, and whatnot but to actually just trying to find those small tweaks that could have a tiny change in the airflow over a car but make it five seconds faster. The only problem is it takes six months to find the tweak but the, the compounding, I feel like that's a little bit happening at the moment. It is that. It's nice here in Australia apart from the fires that we were speaking about last week which was devastating. It's actually summer. It's nice. People have come off a break so it's actually a good time of the year where people should feel rejuvenated and looking forward to the full year. Mm. It's definitely, oh, well, we've got a couple of little breaks yeah. up until the end of the year. <laughs> you guys are going away. You're not uh, breaks, over. Nigel. <laughs> Oh, we were having a conversation just before saying this is your first breath, Alana's first actual break in a long time. Which is a weekend that everyone gets. <laughs> yes, I know, but still you're having a break, That's which true. is important. It's so important. <laughs> <laughs> just joking, I'm staring with you. Too. What do you want us to say to this? I don't know what I want you to say. I'm just, I like seeing people's reactions to things. That's all. You like to poke. I like to poke. Yeah, yeah fine. Scratch under the surface. But no, absolutely. We've got some really nice breaks coming up and some um, some really cool work trips coming up later in the year which I'm looking forward to. So really good conversations of people we want to see. So that's really um, what I'm most looking forward to. Um, in terms of the week going forward, Lana, what have you got coming up? What's the What have you got as a focus at the moment? I know that we, we've got the Loud Days podcast we started last week too that people who want to listen to how to build this whole thing from the back end from the agency. Like I'm really nervous about that. I should talk about that a little bit. Sorry. <laughs> yeah. I know we're running out of time but um, we started a podcast last week that <laughs> I laugh because it's so it's so stupid if we get it wrong because we'll destroy our agency. And it's This is called watch your husband throw you under a bus yeah. <laughs> because if your agency doesn't perform, you don't have one. Yeah, because It's a long title, but <laughs> <laughs> and so for those who are just interested, just click through the channels, you're not stupid, you'll find it. But it's basically we've got the agency here step by step every week talking about 
how to build our brand. So you can see we're from zero, zero at the moment, zero social media presence, zero personal presence, zero brand presence. And now we put Alana's agency that's got a new GM in to go, great, we're going to broadcast every week your strategies and let's see if you're good. If they're not good, what are we going to do? It's already up there. We're not waiting till it's finished to see if it's up. It's actually live. We'll destroy it, which is oh, a little bit of vomit in my mouth around <laughs> this. But I just think that's really cool. I, I don't know anyone who's done that. And it, obviously, it's a very, very high risk because it's completely transparent. But I'm, I'm bloody excited about it because I think if you can't do what you say you're going to do, well, you should be out of business anyway. So it's just different when it's our business <laughs> and for anyone who actually is interested in it it's also from my point of view as an agency owner uh, educating business on what to expect and what to take or not take from agency yeah because I've got really no uh, no qualms I share too much all the time so for me it's not a problem if if we're not right for a client then we'll help them find another one but yep. from a business point of view hearing agency perspective on quotation good and bad clients and then having it fed right back to the agency in real time from a quote good or bad client <laughs> in Tim. <laughs> Don't quote good or bad. <coughs> I'm at least an honest client. <laughs> Either way there'll be fireworks between Tim and myself when we fundamentally disagree on him as a client and me as an agency. Yeah we're gonna have to work out how to put the mute button on Lana I don't want to you know. It's just called <laughs> post-edit. <laughs> Thank you, Nigel. No. But I think that's really, I mean, that's really exciting, um, I think, for us because I, I think personally that I, I'm highly critical of agencies. I think that a lot of people in them are just full of it. I think a lot of people got into digital when it was a much more confusing um, and it was a lot new, it was a lot more cowboys. And I think the byproduct of that is people who've been in it since the cowboy days. Some have evolved and are excellent but others are just still using the confusion for brands and clients and because we know what's worked for us over almost you know 10 years of being in a business like this I, I'm really excited about that that to me is um to put your money where your mouth is and actually see how we do so I'm really excited about that for this week that's that's exciting Nigel how about you uh, from the the loud days podcast and I'm really looking forward to the accountability side of things because there yep. is I don't like to fail or lose or not meet expectations and having an audience of people uh, listening going, well, you did, is going to make sure that you just go over all the time, like yep. whatever it takes to get it done. Yep. Not that it's not, that's not something we ever really have to struggle with too much because we're fairly... No, I love you're under that much pressure. Good. <laughs> I don't want you to have a breakdown, you know, shout out if it is becoming yeah, too hard for you, Nigel. It, but it's not pressure, it's accountability. Yeah, it's the building an audience and being able to deliver against and it's not, it's not just the content, it's... Can we deliver at the time we said every single week no matter what else is going on in the company? Yeah. Now, I like being able to go, well, no, that's what we've got to do. Let's do it. And that's a podcast on its own. I love that. It's not pressure. It's accountability. Do your freaking job. <laughs> if you don't do it, don't do your job. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, okay. have we set the right target? Have we set the right numbers? Who knows? We haven't actually delivered, like started the process mm. yet. We might need to re-jig the numbers up. Or Thank wherever you. it is. Yeah, there Good, we go. <laughs> uh, Knowing your audience. Kids. Yeah, that's <laughs> Nigel just looked over at me. I'm like, you better take this in a direction that is um, that is Have not. Faith. Yeah, there's no there's no out here. We we've no. set the number. And we're going to hit it now. Maybe we do have to increase the resources. I'm okay with that because yeah. I get that. You can't just be an idiot who sets a number with no ramifications. But uh, you know, so far so good. 
um, in terms of how we thought this would play out. But I think you're right. It's as, um, it is confronting having to be accountable to the public regardless if no one even listened to any of this. To actually have that, that we have to sit here and do that, it's, it's a nice sort of feeling, isn't it? To, yeah, yeah. And it's also I'm enjoying quite, this accountability. Yeah, it's quite <laughs> confronting yeah. in because I've always thought of myself as a very good speaker. Yep. But having to listen to all of these things over and over again, and I'm doing at the moment five different podcasts where I'm actively yep. involved in talking, I get to hear my speech patterns and I go, oh, you're not who you think you are. <laughs> That's mortifying. Like, yeah, my, my brain is actually started by my ma- – I sound like an old lawnmower sometimes <laughs> when I get caught flat-footed. So you hear me go, <laughs> so what I think is luckily I've got control of the post-edit. So <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Put a filter over the top, huh? <laughs> Insta famous. <laughs> I'd like to sound like Kieran Knightley if you can make that happen. Nice British accent. Yes, because there's the change yeah. accent button. Post edit, Nigel. <laughs> <laughs> Excellent. Well, um, as always, guys, really uh, good week. I think, as I said at the start, event was really positive. Um, the strategy is really positive. I really like the feeling around the office at the moment because we want to talk about some of those things building a company. A um, couple of cool projects coming up that we'll talk about in the weeks to come because I think that's a little bit exciting too. But um, thank you. Uh, good insights, really good conversations and have a good week. Thank you. You too. Bye. Win. Bye. <laughs> See ya. Bye.